Hello, this is Marc Ember speaking, Chief Editor of the European Respiratory Journal. In the August issue of the journal, we are very pleased to publish the results of a double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled, dose-ranging, multi-center study investigating the effects of a VP-Prunch, an oral prostaglandin DP2 receptor antagonist, in patients with allergic asthma uncontrolled on low-dose inhaled corticosteroids. It is my pleasure to invite uh, Professor Eric Bateman from the Division of Pulmonology at the Department of Medicine of the University of Cape Town, South Africa, to discuss this article. Hello, Eric. Thanks for your time today. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Well, your publication concerns a trial of an oral prostaglandin DP2 receptor antagonist developed by Novartis for the treatment of asthma. Please, could you explain to readers the relevance of the prostaglandin DP2 as a target for treating asthma? Yes, thank you. Well, prostaglandin 2 has been put forward as a, as an, has been known as an important mediator in airway inflammation and inflammation in general. Uh, and uh, its uh, natural receptor uh, is the DP2 receptor, sometimes called TRTH2, and it's uh, present on many inflammatory cells, very notably on TH2 helper cells, from which it gets its name, um, which are key, of course, in allergic inflammation. Uh, but recently it's been shown that these receptors also appear on innate uh, type 2 lymphoid cells. So uh, the two mechanisms that are important in many forms of asthma um, contain this receptor and uh, it was felt that a, a an antagonist to this receptor may uh, be effective in, in asthma. Um, eosinophils also have these receptors uh, which are responsible when activated for chemotaxis and degranulation and even epithelial cells are affected by uh, prostaglandin D2 uh, and may be important in the repair processes uh, in that, are, that are part of the asthma reaction. So there's a good rationale for considering this a relatively upstream uh, mechanism affecting many classes of cells, which if inhibited uh, by, by an effective drug might result in improvement in the airway inflammation in asthma. Thank you very much. It's very important indeed to know the background information. It's very clear from your statement that uh, this is a very relevant target uh, possibly for asthma management. Could you describe the design of the study and the main results, please? Well, this was a phase two dose ranging study. So the, the primary objective was to uh, not only uh, look at efficacy, but rather in the, at the right dose with the right posology, that is either as a once-daily or twice-daily drug. Uh, it was a short study of only 12 weeks because that's all that's required for this uh, phase of study, double-blind, uh, placebo-controlled, but with an active-control montelicast given in the standard dose. Uh, it was quite an ambitious study because there were 13 doses of uh, Fevipiprant employed, uh, from a very low dose up to a, a, a rather high dose, and with once and twice daily uh, dosing. So the patients were patients with allergic asthma based upon history, uh, presence of specific IgE, or a positive skin prexis. So that was the inclusion criteria. They had to have some impairment of lung, lung function uh, and also to be uncontrolled on at least uh, 
a moderate dose inhaled corticosteroids. Um, during the study, the dose of steroids was dropped uh, to uh, 400 micrograms of bedesonide twice daily and other additional controller therapies were stopped. So these were patients who were uncontrolled on what would be called low-dose inhaled corticosteroids. Um, the primary endpoint, end um, which is required for dose-ranging studies, was pre-dose FEV1, that is after 24 hours of treatment, uh, but at week 12. As secondary endpoints were asthma control questionnaire and asthma diary, and a comparison was made with the efficacy of montelukast in this patient population. So the principal findings were very positive. That was an FEV1 improvement of, um, of more than 100 milliliters. In fact, 112 by the uh, analysis pre-specified uh, in the protocol. But being a dose-ranging study, the, the mathematics is quite complex as to how, uh, as how one estimates this. Um, and uh, for the most effective doses, the improvement in FEV1 was more than 150. Uh, and the two effective doses were found to be, or the most effective, were 75 micrograms twice daily or 150 micrograms uh, once daily. So that gave a very clear signal, sorry, those are milligrams, um, a very clear signal that these were the most effective, going to be the most effective doses. Regarding the secondary outcomes, the asthma control questionnaire and the symptom control, there was no difference uh, from placebo. So these were negative findings. And indeed, Montelukast, although it achieved similar improvement in FEV1, also failed to result in improvement in these secondary endpoints. Um, but what was encouraging is that uh, a pre-specified endpoint, which was analyzed post hoc, was uh, the uh, asthma worsenings, that is, worsening of symptoms, uh, which was judged by the clinician from the, from the diary cards. And this showed a difference between the two active doses, uh, the active drugs and placebo. So perhaps there was also a suggestion of clinical benefit other than FEV1. The safety results were uh, highly satisfactory. There was no suggestion of the, any of the doses having been associated with treatment-specific changes in risk. Thanks for this very uh, clear summary of the key results. So what do these results contribute to our growing knowledge about the potential role of DP2 receptor antagonists or CRTH2 receptor inhibitors for the treatment of asthma in the light of the recent publications of other studies of these and related molecules? Well, the, the the CRTH2 inhibitors have been followed for have been investigated for some time, and there are a number of molecules that have been used, uh, developed by different companies. Um, the the results have been very mixed. The early studies uh, in unselected or, or with relatively um, minor sub selection or sub typing of patients. Uh, gave mixed results. Small improvements in FEV were seen with some molecules but not with others. Comparisons with low-dose inhaled steroids were generally negative. Uh, uh, comparisons with montelukast in previous studies have suggested some clinical effect equivalent to or similar to montelukast. Fevipiprant appears to be the most promising of the molecules to date. 
uh, and there are now three publications that each show um, its efficacy on different aspects of asthma mechanisms relating both to uh, target engagement, meaning the ability to reduce eosinophilia, and also clinical outcomes. In one of the reasons for the greater efficacy of the, in these three studies may be better patient selection. So in the first, it was clear that patients with more severe impairment of FEV1 uh, responded best, so it suggested that the more severe patient might benefit from this. In the second, published last year, uh, which created great excitement, patients, it was a small study, phase two, but patients were pre-selected on the basis of sputum eosinophils. So this gave the opportunity to see whether the treatment would engage with target and reduce sputum eosinophils, which indeed it did very convincingly, interestingly, without reducing blood eosinophils. Uh, And in that study, an unexpected and very positive outcome was improvements in quality of life and asthma control. Uh, And uh, this was uh, quite impressive and led to a lot of publicity for this um, molecule in the the lay press. Uh, Our study contributes to this by showing, well, firstly, by providing for us the most effective doses that can be taken forward in phase three trials, uh, confirming the safety that has been seen in other studies. And, and thirdly, um, it shows that, uh, that the benefit in FEV1 is now consistent across three studies. Uh, on the other hand, in our study, which was only a 12-week study, there was no improvement in quality or life or asthma control. So um, that will really have to wait. The answer to the question of whether it will be effective has to wait for the results of phase three studies. The main clinical endpoint finding in your study was improvement in pre-dose FEV1 of a little more than 100 milliliters. Is this a clinically significant outcome since there were no significant improvements in symptoms or asthma control and there was an improvement in FEV1 obtained uh, with Montelukast in a similar uh, fashion? Well, the the primary endpoint, is, as I mentioned, uh, is FEV1 and the the increase of 100 milliliters seems very modest, but uh, there are several points that need to be made. Firstly, uh, this is the magnitude of FEV1 improvement that's seen with, in many phase two short uh, phase two trials. Even in bronchodilator trials, such as the add-on of teotropium to inhaled steroids, in many studies showed a little over 100 milliliters. So it's not so much the size of the increase, but the consistency of the increase in a phase two study that is important. So the increase was seen across several doses and, of course, at the optimal doses. Uh, But it needs to be remembered this is an anti-inflammatory drug and its effect is likely to be continued over a longer period and may result in greater changes in FEV1 over time. So as a result of a phase two trial, this magnitude of response is consistent with what has been seen with with effective treatments that have been registered and are currently in use uh, and shouldn't be viewed as the final benefit. The comparison with the result from Montelukast is interesting, uh, but we need to recognize that although the endpoint is uh, is the same, the targets are very different with these two drugs. So there is no... It is not appropriate to therefore say this is simply a competitor or a, a lookalike with Montelukast, 
we would expect a completely different set of biological consequences from using this different class of agent. Thanks. So you chose to study patients with allergic asthma in this phase two trial. Why did you do so? And are CRTH2 antagonists likely to be effective also in non-allergic asthma? Yeah, the reason for selecting allergic uh, patients with allergic asthma defined, as I mentioned, uh, for this study was that uh, these are the patients we know that tend to have sputum eosinophilia. Um, however, mo knowledge has moved along since, uh, since this trial was designed, and I think if we re-ran it, we would probably do the same as was done in the, the GONEM study that I mentioned, uh, in that we would probably select patients on the basis of likely sputum or confirmed sputum eosinophilia which, of course, could be in both allergic and non-allergic asthma. So uh, I think we are learning about a segmentation or, or selection of, of phenotypes for, for certain treatments, and uh, we're probably going to learn, uh, learn further or more lessons about who might respond to this treatment. But uh, it may include people who are non-allergic. Thanks. So in conclusion... What is the potential of this molecule becoming a new class of treatment for uncontrolled asthma, and what are the next steps? Well, the next steps are clearly that, that there's enough reason now from these, uh, few, uh, these three studies, and especially from the current study, for moving ahead with phase two, uh, phase three trials, uh, looking at the, the true clinical efficacy, and these will have to be of at least uh, six months duration and, and, of course, for safety, even longer. Um, and the outcomes of these will, will determine its placing within our treatment guidelines. However, uh, there is no doubt that there, is, that there are several attractive features of this treatment. Uh, it not only does it target a different mechanism uh, to those that we currently have it available, but we know that there are... Uh, uh, a lot of patients who remain uncontrolled on our current standards of treatment and are likely to need an additional treatment. Another major advantage is, and one that I see being the most important, is the fact that it is a once-daily oral treatment. And many, many of the failed patients with failed treatment with inhaled steroids and LABA ICS simply do not take their treatment. And so if we have a, another option of an oral treatment that is uh, effective either um, additive to uh, inhaled steroids or even uh, on, on steps four and five, that would be a useful addition to our current treatments. Thank you very much, uh, Eric, for this uh, excellent discussion. Uh, this was Marc Imbert, Chief Editor of the European Respiratory Journal, discussing today novel asthma therapies with uh, Professor Eric Bateman, from the University of Cape Town in South Africa. Thank you again, Eric. Thank you.